listening to the Rent Roll Radio Show with Sterling Chapman. Hey, Rent Roll Radio listeners, welcome back to the show. I'm your host, Sterling Chapman. We're joined here today by my co-host and business partner with Crestworth Capital, Andrew Bruff. And then we have a special guest who's been a friend of mine for years. He's one of the first people I met when I started getting interested into multifamily investing, and he's just been a class act from day one. We bumped into each other, I think, online. He was probably the first person to ever share this podcast. Definitely the first person to give me a rating and review. We worked together, seen each other at some meetups around the Jake and Gino organization. So Joshua Rusin, welcome to the show. Glad to have you. Hey, thank you, Sterling and Andrew. Glad to be here with both of you. Awesome. So Josh, you want to take it back to the beginning and kind of tell us how you got into real estate investing, what you did before? Give us the background. Yeah. So initially the game plan was to be a doctor, right? So actually my, my entrepreneurship kind of seed was planted in eighth grade when I had an aunt who was in real estate. She gave me the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Well, in eighth grade, I, I just wasn't receptive to the message. So I kind of planted a seed. I went to high school and I got really into working out. I loved biology and, and I liked health and fitness. So I decided a career path that fits with that would be being a physician. And as the, naturally you go to college. In undergrad, I have a pre-professional biology major with a chemistry minor and I'm working for an orthopedic surgeon. Now, summer before I get ready to graduate, I'm studying for the MCAT. And the doctor I was working for comes home one day and he's like, hey, I wouldn't do it. You're crazy. I wouldn't let my kids do it. And I'm just like, what? Like, what are you talking about, dude? And so he goes on to explain, he's like, how much debt do you have from undergrad? I'm like, "Eh, I got like 70 grand right now. And this is, keep in mind, I have one more year before I graduate. And then he's like, look, you're going to take on 50,000 a year for medical school, your loans are all going to accrue interest. Your undergrad, graduate loans are going to go through residency and fellowship. He's like, you're going to graduate and be 30 years old and a half million dollars in debt. And I'm just like, and you make big money. You can pay it off. That's not a big deal. (laughs) And so he's like, no, you really don't get it. And I'm like, what? He's like, in the 90s, I used to make seven figures a year. Now I'm lucky if I make a half million being a physician. And again, I grew up really middle class. So I'm like, this dude is complaining about making $500,000 a year. Like, what a good problem to have. You know, if only I had that problem. He's like, look, and and Obamacare was going through. And again, I don't care to talk politics, but I talk policy. This guy had predicted that by the time I graduate, physician reimbursements will be 100 to 200 grand a year, depending on your specialty. He's like, look, Josh, you're going to live in a one bedroom apartment for a decade just to get out from under that debt. So at that point, I pictured and imagined myself being 40 and just starting light. And I was like, I got to find a different path. Oh, wow. I heard something that you said, and this is completely out of left field for y'all, I know, but I want to ask because you said it didn't, like it didn't hit home right away. And I want to ask while Andrew's on the line too, because he's got like 18 kids, but I read Rich Dad, Poor Dad when I was like 30 and it was like a huge light bulb. And I'm like, oh dude, I'm going to make my kids read this in like the first grade, you know, but obviously it's not going to mean anything to them. But what age do you think would be a good time to start introducing this type of stuff to to kids growing up. I believe y'all have some type of youth education over there at Jake and Gina, don't you? Yeah. So, okay. You got to think right there in eighth grade, my dad's an uh, engineer, right? So very opposite of entrepreneur, right? Very structured. This is kind of ABC type stuff. And so when I hit that, you know, what had happened was a buddy and I actually went and knocked doors to go shovel snow in Michigan. And we're like, all right, we're going to be rich. We're going to own our own business. We're going to make business cards. So it hit for a little bit, but after we went out that day and you knock on all these doors, no one's answering. People are turning us down. We're like, dude, this entrepreneur stuff is hard work. And so at that (laughs) point it went door. 
dormant. So what I really think is I wish I would have learned more of that at a young age. However, I think it's structured learning, right? So initially, the, the first thing is how to set goals, you know, how good debt and bad debt works, various things like that. And then eventually you learn, you know, how to make money work for you. So we've built out at Jake and Gino what we call a youth academy. We believe that teens, if you could intercept someone at that age, you can teach them these different things very early on, right? So with me in college, I had a, a very substantial college debt for a, a piece of paper on the wall that I don't even use. So I wish at a younger age, I would have known these things, right? And, and too many people are too late in their journey. You know, I, I got a good buddy who works at Quicken Loans and the guy makes 200 grand a year, but he, he's got, he just bought a brand new Tesla and he's got a penthouse in Detroit. He's already on the financial treadmill at the age of 30 with no kids. It's like, it's not about just the money you make, but it's about having that money work for you and, and, and acquiring assets, not liabilities. So I think the earlier you get it, the better, because then you have time on your side and, and time is, is really what helps build wealth along with working smart and hard. I've already shared rich dad poor dad with my kids. Did they take to it? Did they have an aha moment or did they roll their eyes and like, I guess I'll read this to get dad off my back. <laughs> They're starting to read it. We're talking about it. <laughs> I have the, uh, the cash flow game I could send to you. That might, that might grab their attention. Yeah, you should. So w- what happened next, Josh? How does the story unfold? Yeah. So I, I talked to the doctor and the guy had done very well, right? Very big mentor in my life. And I'm like, all right, dude, well, I can't go home and curl up in a ball and just kind of cry. Like, what do I do? And so he's like, go into business. I do make more money from being an entrepreneur than I do from being a doctor. And he had his hand in a bunch of different things. He owned a, a joint implant company, an MRI center. I mean, he, he owned the buildings, he had his practices out of. So he made a lot of money from various entrepreneurial pursuits. So I go home and at the time I'm like, all right, what can I do? I don't have a lot of money living in my parents' house. And I look, I'm like, all right, I've always taken good care of my cars. I can open a car detailing company. I knew a buddy at the gym I was working at that had a home healthcare company and done very well with that. So I, you know, obviously seeing success leaves clues. I start looking into that and I'm like, holy crap, there's a silver tsunami coming. Like this is an opportunity. I choose that is what I'm going to go into. And for six months, I start going to Panera. I start going to Starbucks and Hmm. I build out business cards, brochures, website, Google voice number. I had an LLC, but you know, at the end of the day, six months in, I come home, my parents are like, Josh, you haven't generated a penny in revenue. Time to you know, put the crack pipe down. You got to get a job and grow up. Or you got to get out of here. <laughs> So I'm like, oh gosh, you know, and it's getting worse. You graduate and it's like spring from college. Now this is fall slash early winter. And I have an Impala. I have an 04 Impala SS with a quarter of a million miles on it and less than a thousand dollars my name. So I'm like, it's looking bleak. If I get kicked out of the house, I got to find something to do. (laughs) And so there there was a big lesson for your listeners though. Right then and there, I learned the difference between activity and accomplishment, right? Although I was busy for six months and I had a shell of a company, I, I wasn't actually accomplishing anything, right? And I learned that the right steps in the right order to produce a result is very important. I was just trying to piece it together from the internet and I didn't value my time. So this is a lesson I had to learn the hard way. So at that point, the same aunt who gave me Rich Dad, Poor Dad, we we go to her house for Thanksgiving and she had done very well through real estate. Like I said, she's like, Josh, why don't you get into real estate? And I'm like, eh, like, are you going to put me up if I go to my parents with another entrepreneurial pursuit? Like (laughs) I will be living in my car. (laughs) 
So that, that opened up a door and I start looking into real estate and I find a real estate investing education company. And I was like, holy crap, they, they are in San Diego. I can get a job in an awesome city. They're going to teach me how to invest. They encourage entrepreneurship while I'm working for them. So I'm like, jokes on them. I'm going to go get paid while learning how to build this business. Once I got the business built, I'm going to walk away. So I end up taking a leap to San Diego, California to work for a residential real estate investing education company. Okay. All right. So take the leap there. And what I ended up doing was scaling the corporate ladder there, right? And, and I ended up doing pretty well. And at that point, I was acquiring turnkey single family rentals. And I had one rental in my hometown where I grew up. And what I would have to do is save up $30,000 in order to buy these turnkeys, right? So I had a couple so, hundred dollars in income. Let me, let me stop you for a second. So you were, you were working at a real estate investing education company before you ever even bought your first piece of real estate. Yeah, yeah, basically. I was working for one because right? I was like, all right, these guys are teaching this and, and they encourage entrepreneurship. So being an entrepreneur, they teach. So I was like, this is a, a way to get the knowledge and, and have an income. Okay. Have we ever heard of that company? Fortune Builders. Okay. You're over there with Than Merrill? Yeah, yeah. You know, look, so a lot of people may hate on him and give him the guru name, but but I got to tell you this. The guy is a stud of a human, right? He played in sure. the NFL. He went to Yale and he was always investing himself in his education. And he ran a great company with a lot of culture. Now, there were some things that I disagree with that they did, but at the same time, I am very grateful for being there and it helped transform me as a person seeing what a lot of successful people do. So... Yeah, definitely. And I, I, I was teasing. I'm not knocking on Than at all. I read that book. It was the E-Myth Revisited, where I think he co-wrote half of E-Myth Revisited for Real Estate Investors. It was a good book. It was, it was a lot of good knowledge. I think about it often when I'm trying to run my business and in a way that doesn't require so much me. Yeah, dude, systems are a big thing. And, and actually, I'll give you a really good lesson I learned there that your listeners can take. So, all right, I take the leap there. I'm dead broke. I literally, that Impala I had that I sold, I sold it for $1,500 and that covered my flight to get there. And it covered my first month's rent to rent a bedroom. I couldn't even afford a whole apartment in San Diego. And so I'm getting there. And as my income is scaling, I end up, you know, I had this middle-class mindset that was really tough to break, right? My parents have, have tried to save their way to wealth. In fact, they, I mean, every dollar that's came across their hands, they still have. And, and I'm not knocking that. I'm just saying it's that you need a different way to get different results. And so I have a coworker who we worked long hours there and he's like, hey dude, look, you need to hire out a maid. You need to hire out someone to do this and this and this. And I'm like, ah, oh, dude, my hands work just fine. Why would I pay someone to clean my house? Well, Than's business partner, Paul, walks by and he's overhearing this conversation and he's like, all right, Josh, I want you to write down MWA. Now draw a circle around it and a line through it. And he's like, that's minimum wage activities. Anytime you find yourself doing something you can pay somebody minimum wage for, I want you to hire it out. And I'm sitting here like penny pinching, like, wait, you want me to <laughs> let money go? You know? <laughs> but it was true, right? And I ended up implementing that. And at that point, scaling my business. And he gave me a really good example to hammer at home. You know, let's say you make $100 an hour at your job or in your business. And let's say it costs 25 an hour to have the cleaners come. Well, at that point, I can work one hour in my business and I can pay for four hours of the cleaners at my place. So I'm not positive three hours there, whether I want to work those or do things with those that I love or activities that I care about. Yeah, absolutely. So not trading your time for less important activities. Yeah, absolutely. So, all right. So I'm in San Diego, I'm buying turnkey rentals 
And what I realized is two things. One, the cost of living there is outrageous. Two, the taxes are incredibly high. So at some points I'm giving like half of what I make to the government. So working for free for the first six months. And to buy these turnkeys, like I said, you got to save up at the time. It was about 30,000 to buy through like Memphis Invest or Jacksonville Wealth Builders. And they had a couple hundred dollars of passive income a month. So I'm like, look, this is going to take a decade for me to get financially free. So I'm in my mid twenties. I'm at a ceiling financially at the company I'm at. There was no more clear path for promotion. I scaled up as high as I could and as quick as I could. And the thought of working another 10 years, 70 plus hours a week with high stress, high pressure, I was like, I'm going to spontaneously combust. So a good friend and I were like, hey, what's next? You know, how can we take things to the next level? And we were in a sales role at that position. And so we said, hey, let's open up a sales training company, right? We were really good at what we did. And so he's like, okay, I'm going to go visit Grant Cardone. And obviously he's written Celebrity Sold and and had a sales training company, still has it. So he pays $7,500 for one hour, one-on-one with Grant Cardone, flies to Miami and Grant says, hey son, when I was your age, I wish I would have gotten a multifamily real estate instead of sales training. I'd be a billionaire instead of a millionaire. The only question is how many times over. So us being in our 20s, our eyes go all wide and we're like, what? (laughs) So he comes back and all of a sudden sales training's off the table. Now we're like, we want to get into commercial multifamily real estate. So independently have a lunch with Than and Than says the same thing. I wish I would have skipped residential and went straight to commercial. Now both guys at the time had a strong nine figure net worth. And we had, you know, two people that we really looked up to saying this is the route to go. So at that point we shifted our focuses to multifamily. Awesome. Okay. So from there, there's still some gaps to fill. Uh, I'm working in San Diego, obviously not the best market for multifamily. You got to buy something burnt to the ground and at like a four cap before it even starts cash flowing. Right. And so there's much better markets to do this in. So during this time, we're trying to get our education, right? We're on podcasts, we're on YouTube, we're on, you know, all the books we can order. And Than's right-hand man had Jake and Gino's book on his desk. And if it was good enough for him, it was good enough for me. So I ordered it, read it, gave it to my buddy. Well, after reading it, my buddy reaches out to Jake and Gino. He's like, hey guys, look, I see that you're trying to start an education company. I work for the largest single family real estate education company. I would love to help you grow and scale what you're doing if you teach me how to invest. Well, they turn him down. And he's so committed to commercial real estate, he quits his job, leaves San Diego, moves to Atlanta. And he had, you know, enough passive income to at least cover his bills. Are you well, talking about Dylan Marma, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've heard this story before. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So yeah, he he leaves. All right. And then he's like, okay. And then these guys actually call back and they're like, Hey, we're we're actually looking at taking someone on. Can you still do it? And he's like, ah, at this point I can't, but I know it's going to be a good fit. Now here's where things get really crazy. I'm making really good money in San Diego, right? I was making multiple six figures and these guys offer me a position, but it's a, a multiple six figure haircut. We'll say to go work with them. Now keep in mind, Gina lives in Florida. The cost of living in Florida is a lot cheaper. There is no state income taxes. However, multiple six figures is still multiple six figures. So I have a leadership coach that I've worked with for the last four years now. And what I, when I connected with this, this guy, I got a few things that helped me really walk through this decision. And one was the acronym focus. So basically follow one course until successful. So what I was doing is I was studying all the different names in the space and everybody has a slightly different approach. And so a lot of times you get this decision fatigue, trying to incorporate it all and learn it. So I was like, okay, got it. And then the next one was the certainty of outcome. If I stayed where I was, was scarier than taking a chance, betting on myself and and going to work with these guys. 
So you fast forward to March 6th of 2018, I, I ended up taking the leap to go work with Jake and Gina to help them build their education company. And then also helps, you know, myself get in the multifamily real estate. Awesome. Tell us about the transition into multifamily real estate. What was your first multifamily deal like? Yeah. So actually my buddy who you had brought up, Dylan, earlier in the call, our first deal we did was November 13th of 2018. Okay. So it's about a year in of studying it. And what he had did was he actually called a broker in Louisville and he said, Hey, I'm going to come visit the market um, and set up property tours. Right. And so the guy sent over the OMs and the financials of the deals over there. Uh, a couple of them looked good on paper. So we were very excited. However, when he went to go visit them, they weren't in as nice of areas as we had hoped. Right. So you get there and you're all right, this is a little rougher than we would buy in. Now the last deal he went and saw, was a 132 unit deal. The owners actually met him at the property. So he went with this one and ended up being a really good deal. Brought in Jake and Gino on the deal. And then we took that down. So for about 5.9 million, we raised 2.7 million. We got a Freddie Mac small balance loan. At the time, rents were about 550. Market rent was about 700. Now it's a little over seven. Obviously it was a couple of years ago. And the NOI was doing about 65,000 and currently we've got it up to about 95,000. So that deal is absolutely crushing it. Awesome. Nice. What kind of returns were you expecting? Yeah. So as far as returns, we did an eight pref to the investors and with this deal, we absolutely crush it, right? So we had really conservative underwriting. However, what we will do is when we sell the deal, we're, we're expecting a very strong double digit IRR to our investors. Nice. And was that a syndication? Correct. It was the first syndication deal. So I got my, my aunt's in on that deal. My dad's in on that deal. So they love me a little more now. Talk about the capital raising. How'd that go? Yeah. So obviously it was our first time doing it. And it was honestly Jake and Gino's first deal as well in syndication, right? Everything they'd done previously, they owned on their own. And so what they had been able, very fortunate to do is they have a podcast that has quite a few listeners and they've assembled a very strong email list. And then what Dylan did when he first came here, because he ended up working with us on the team, was had touch points and sent emails to start building an investor list, right? So when we did it, we did a Reg D 506B, B as in boy, right? And so we ended up having those touch points and he emailed it out and we raised the capital very quickly. And then for me, it was just, you know, I offered it up to a few friends and family and it filled pretty quick. These guys got a track record, so it wasn't very hard, but it definitely was something different, right? We'd never done that before. And we had to work with Kim Taylor for the syndication attorney and she was actually really great. What was the next deal after that? Yeah. So next deal after that was going to be one in Lexington. It's a 143 unit deal in Lexington, Kentucky. And that one's absolutely crushing it as well. And then the next one after that was a 52 unit here in Knoxville. They're all duplexes. The original owner had still owned it. He built it in the nineties. So really, really great asset. We actually closed on that about six, seven months ago. Rents were at about 700. Market rent was at about nine. Even with COVID, this, we, we bought it just before COVID hit. We're still proving market rent and still able to increase them. And then about a month ago, we closed on a, a 48 unit. So this one was definitely a rougher deal. We came in with a cash offer. But again, this one is, there's a lot of opportunity, right? When you solve big problems, you get big paychecks. Are y'all working more with brokers or are you going direct to the buyer, cold calling mom and pop shops? Yeah. So a lot of our deals have all came through brokers. We recently are trying an off-market campaign. We're actually just trying that now. And it's something we've done before, but we didn't stick with it long enough to produce fruit. But right now we are actively, so we've got all our deals from brokers. However, we are trying a direct-to-owner campaign currently. Cool. So 
if you could rewind, what would you have done differently from the start? Oh man, great question. Okay. So I would have skipped college, right? That, that expensive piece of paper on the wall is very tough and they teach you how to be an employee. Now listen, college is good. If I would have stuck it out and I would have become a doctor, absolutely. You need to do that or a lawyer, right? And I wish I would have learned goal setting and I wish I would have learned all that stuff at an earlier age, but it's hard when everybody around you doesn't do that, right? And college is the norm and what's like the next step for success. So I wish I would have found mentors and, and knew this stuff was something that somebody does earlier on in their career. And at that point, I just would have reached up rather than trying to reinvent the wheel, right? So earlier on, found people that are doing what I was looking to do at a high level and either pay to play or seek to serve to be able to get their guidance and really compress my learning curve and get to my goals sooner. Awesome. Do you have any other advice for somebody out there who's just getting started? Yeah. So here's what you got to first work on is your mindset, right? Like I mentioned earlier, I definitely had a a very middle-class mindset. When I'm first thinking of things, I mean, you got to realize that time is your most valuable asset. You can look at someone like Jeff Bezos. The guy's got $200 billion, right? You can have unlimited money working for you, but look at someone like Steve Jobs. He had all the money in the world, but his time got cut short. So the moment you realize time's your most valuable asset, then you're going to start valuing that more. So the, the pain points of inflection and growth, like we talked about earlier, hiring things out. You'll have less trouble going through those and implementing the e-myth principles when you have that entrepreneurial mindset. Absolutely. So real quick for our radio round, just to let our listeners get to know you a little bit better. What's your favorite book? Yeah. So an absolute classic personal development book is 12 Pillars by Jim Rohn. Highly recommend it. Okay. I was listening to some Jim Rohn during my workout this morning, but I, uh, I'll definitely download 12 Pillars. Haven't got that one yet. What's your favorite quote? So the harder you work, the luckier you get. You know, I firmly believe that we create our own luck. And, you know, a lot of people say, oh, Josh, you got lucky. Or even with you guys, with the success you've created. But it's like what they don't see is all the hard work that came into this and the failure and rejection and late nights and sacrifice and discipline. So... Yeah. It's so funny how people like to to put luck on it. It's like you get rejected 150 times in a row and then you got lucky the one time they said yes. It's like, <laughs> it's <a> number <laughs> so I was asking this question for Andrew and I, but but I'm sure our listeners want to know too, how do we get involved with you guys? How do we get more involved in the Jake and Gino community? How can we get in touch with you personally, Josh? All right, I'll, I'll go on a limb here. So I'll give first my email and then my cell phone. So emails josh at jakeandgino.com. Jake, J-A-K-E, and A-N-D, Gino, G-I-N-O. And then my cell phone, 865-320-0655. Feel free to reach out. Again, I mean, I've only been in real estate for five years now, but at the same time, I've learned a lot of lessons and I'm, I'm maybe a couple steps ahead or even behind a few of you. And always happy to share what I've learned and, and how we can help as well. So, Awesome. And Josh, just so you know, I could spend two hours on here with you. I find you inspirational and educational. Those are both the points of the podcast, but my Zoom meeting is cutting us off early. So that we'll have to have you back for another episode in the future. I tried to upgrade it during our show, but when I plugged in my birthday, it said for some reason I wasn't eligible to buy more Zoom. So I'll have to get that resolved before the next take. But thank you so much for joining. It's always a pleasure. It's always an inspiration. Definitely look forward to being in touch soon. Boom. Thank you, gentlemen. Thanks for tuning in to the Rent Roll Radio Show brought to you by Crestworth Capital. We hope you enjoyed the show. And if you did, 
please hit the subscribe button and leave us a rating and review. You can also visit us at CrestworthCapital.com or RentRollRadio.com or follow us on Facebook at RentRollRadio or at CrestworthCapital. If you would like to reach us, feel free to shoot us an email at info at RentRollRadio.com or sterling at CrestworthCapital.com. We hope you come back next week to join us on some more of our journey. Until then, happy investing. Happy investing.